Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. So tonight, uh, praise God, it is good to be saved. Hallelujah. Uh, It is good to have a future and a hope in Jesus Christ tonight. Let's open up our Bibles this evening to the book of Exodus, chapter 5. And it's good to see uh, familiar faces and a few new ones as well. God bless you all for being there. And uh, we want to say thank you to those also watching online. Uh, We appreciate your uh, faithfulness to the house of God. Amen. So, uh, this evening, I I was just uh, in my in my daily prayer and uh, uh, thinking about some things, uh, I was stirred this evening to speak on the topic of work. And uh, I was came across this scripture and uh, believe that, uh, that God has a word for us tonight. Uh, Exodus chapter 5, if we will uh, find ourselves there. I want to begin by uh, busting a myth. And there is, in many people's minds, a myth that we are able to multitask. Many people tell themselves the lie that you can do many things at the same time. This is why people um, scroll their Facebook feed during a church service. Uh, Because you've told yourself a lie that you can multitask. You can do many things at the same time. Um... It seems that um, women are, in general, better at doing this than men. But the truth is that nobody is really good at this idea of multitasking. Let me prove it to you right now. See if you can put this to the test in your own mind. Can you think two thoughts at the same time? No, you can't. You can only think one thought at a time. And God designed you that way. God designed you to only be able to do one thing well. Uh, In fact, in 2009, Stanford uh, published a groundbreaking study in which they evaluated people who were self-described multitaskers. And they began to test them in their ability to perform a variety of different tasks. Those researchers hypothesized that while multitasking might be draining at first, perhaps over time, if you do it enough, uh, your brain would get better at doing something. They assumed that people who are multitasking every day, that uh, they would begin to be better at ignoring irrelevant information. They would begin to be better at switching between tasks going on and off, or perhaps better at organizing their memories. But according to Clifford Nass, who was the lead researcher, 
They were wrong. In his results that were published in the year 2009, he says, we were absolutely shocked. It turns out that multitaskers are terrible at every aspect of multitasking. They're terrible at ignoring irrelevant information. They're terrible at keeping information in their head well organized. They're also terrible at switching from one task to another. His final conclusion was this. We worry that heavy multitasking may be creating people who are unable to think well and think clearly. This is obviously a problem in our generation. We carry in our pockets a device that uh, forces us many times to multitask every hour of the day. And by multitasking, what we're doing is we are training our brains to actually do less and not more. This is why the Bible says in Philippians 3, verse 13, the Apostle Paul, he says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press on toward the mark of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. And so that is important for you to know about yourself. In life, you are only going to be able to do one thing well. One thing well. Let me ask you tonight, what is your one thing? What is the one thing that gains your attention above other things? What is the one thing in your heart, in your spirit, that fills your time and your attention? Now, the reason I'm speaking about this now is because we're going to read a scripture in our story where the people of God are forced to do something that they are not called to do. And I believe there's a lot of disciples of Jesus Christ who find themselves in a similar situation tonight. So I want to speak to disciples, I want to speak to believers. And I want to speak to you this evening about your work life and about your job. Because I believe, you know, besides our family and besides our uh, commitment to the church and the things of God, you know, your job is the one thing that occupies the most of your waking hours as a human being. And so it is important for us to have a biblical perspective on our work life and how God uses this to advance us in the kingdom. All right, so let's look together at this scripture, Exodus chapter 5, and beginning with verse 6. I want to take a different angle on this that maybe you've heard before, and I'm praying that God will use this tonight to speak to your heart. Exodus 5, beginning with verse 6. So the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers saying, You shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves, and you shall lay on them the quota of bricks which they made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on the men, that they may labor in it, and let them not regard false words. 
Let's pray tonight. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for the church. Thank you for the living God who gives us the ability to labor, God, not just in the kingdom, uh, but also for our homes, for our families. I'm praying tonight, give us godly perspective on the work that we do tonight and help us, God, to have a balance in life that will glorify and honor you in Jesus' mighty name. And God's people would say, amen. This is a message I've titled, Toiling for the Taskmaster. Toiling for the Taskmaster. In our scripture tonight, what we have is a situation that is very important for us to understand. As you know, this is, uh, this is early in the book of Exodus, and this is a moment where the people of God are still under uh, deep and desperate bondage. They are slaves. They are slaves in Egypt. They have taskmasters that have been set over them, and they are laboring day in and day out. Uh, for for the purpose of Pharaoh. They're not working for their own good. They are working to advance the kingdom of Egypt. They are building buildings. They are doing labors. And they're doing it all against their will. And uh, we know tonight that this is a grand picture. Uh, it is a, a, a shadow. It, it is a type for us to be able to learn from. We know that Pharaoh represents to us the one who keeps us in bondage, doesn't he? The one who keeps you and I in bondage is the enemy of our souls. It's Satan. It's the devil. And he, uh, we come into this life being under the bondage of Satan. And, and the story of Exodus is the story of how God raises up a deliverer. How God sets them free from their sin and delivers them into their destiny. And this is a picture of how Jesus comes into our lives. It's a gospel story that by the precious blood of the lamb uh, that was shed, uh, there's a sacrifice, the blood over the doorpost. And by the blood of the lamb, they are set free from their bondage to go out into the wilderness in order to sacrifice and worship their God. Uh, we have the picture of water baptism as they pass through the Red Sea. And then we have them, the picture of spiritual maturity as they have to grow, uh, have they, they, have to, uh, they have to come out of their bondage before they can enter in to their promised land. You've heard sermons about that before. But what I want you to capture from this message here tonight is that these people in Exodus chapter 5, these are God's people and they are forced to labor. And what I want you to understand tonight is that the enemy, many times, he will use your job against you. The enemy will use your job to frustrate the plans of God for your life. If you are not careful, if you do not have dominion in your job, the enemy can use your boss and your work schedule as a stumbling block for the kingdom of God. This is what happens in our scripture. And we know the story how Moses comes and he begins to speak through Aaron, uh, his brother. And the message to Pharaoh is to let my people go so that they may come and worship me in the desert. And God is beginning this process of setting them free. God is beginning this uh, great uh, story of salvation to rescue them from their sins, from their bondage. 
But as that is happening, one of the things that Pharaoh does is in our scripture, he multiplies the, the burden that is on those Hebrew slaves. The enemy begins to hinder them by making them work harder. See, this is not God. God is not the one making them work harder. They're, they already have a full plate of labor on their shoulders. And now, in order to get back at them, in order to frustrate the plans of God, here's Pharaoh, and he begins to, to increase their quota of labor. Oh, really, Moses, Aaron, people of God? Oh, you think you're going to go free? Watch this. I'll make you work even harder. He increases their quota. He says, okay, you're used to working this much. I'm going to give you even more work to do. I'm going to increase your hours. I'm going to have I'm going to make it so you have to work on the weekends. I'm going to make it so that you have to not just the the 40 hours standard. I'm going to give you 60 hours a week. And watch this. I'm I'm going to start uh, uh taking away the necessary ingredients. It says that uh, Pharaoh forced those uh taskmasters He said, we're not going to give you the straw that you've always had in order to make those bricks. You're going to have to go out there and find it for yourself. I'm going to remove the the, uh, necessary ingredients that you need in order to do your job. I want to tell you, I've seen men fall into this trap. I've seen women fall into this trap. I've seen disciples fall into a trap where the devil will use your job, the job that God gave you, and he will use that job to create a stumbling block in your life. The enemy can use this strategy, and I've seen it so many times, to abort God's will in your life. I've seen men who are called to be preachers who have been derailed because of this right here. Remember the picture. Egypt is a picture of our sinful bondage. Pharaoh is a picture of the devil. And your job is an easy target. Can I remind you tonight that the devil wants you to be in bondage, right? He wants you to stay in bondage. He doesn't want you to be free, to live for God, to do the will of God, to enter into destiny. Any preacher... Any disciple who has a dream or a goal or a destiny for preaching the gospel, you're never going to reach that as long as you are in bondage to your job. Now, don't get the wrong idea tonight. I am not saying that we all should quit our jobs and spend uh, all of our waking moments at the church in prayer. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that you and I as disciples of Jesus... We should have dominion over our jobs, not the jobs having dominion over us. Let me ask you tonight, do you have dominion in your work life? Man of God, disciple of Jesus, are you a worker that just happens to be a Christian? Or are you a Christian that that also works? See, the job is such an easy target of hell. 
The job is such an easy target. You know why? Because we tell ourselves, and it's true. There is a there is a, a, a nugget of truth here. We we have to keep our jobs. We have to have an income. We can't just you know be slaves of the government paycheck and live forever uh, on welfare. No. That is not God's will either. And so we say, well, pastor, I have to keep my job, right? I have to pay my bills. You're not going to pay my bills. And that's right. I'm not going to pay your bills. The church is not going to pay your bills. God has ordained for you to make your own money, to carry your own burden, and to do the will of God by providing for your family. So yes, all of those things are true. But see, the enemy takes that truth And what he does is exactly what those evil taskmasters did in our scripture. What he will do is he will add to your labor. He will slowly, sometimes methodically, over time and over years, he will cause you to take on more and more responsibility. And before you know it, the same energy that you should be giving on outreach the same energy that you should be expending in discipleship, in training, and in preparing yourself for the will of God, now you're going to give that to your boss. You're going to give that to your paycheck. And instead of laboring for the kingdom, you are laboring for your little teeny tiny kingdom with the lowercase k. And what happens is we end up having little or nothing for the kingdom of God. This is an easy target. See, if I was the devil, what I would do, my strategy, would it be to make you think that your only option is to stay as a slave forever in Egypt. Oh, beloved, the devil would be happy if you would remain under slavery in Egypt. And the lie is this. Pastor, I'm working so hard. My boss needs me. See, Egypt needs me desperately. Uh, The Pharaoh, look at all this work the Pharaoh has for me. And, And by the way, he's paying double time if I work on Sunday. Now, I, I can't hear into the, into the building tonight, but I'm guessing it's starting to get quiet. Oh, Pharaoh, he loves the way that I work. Pharaoh, he gave me a position. He gave me a job title. Oh, Pharaoh, he, he's given me... He, he, oh, Pharaoh, he's really helping me on the job. And before you know it, you've got nothing left for the kingdom. You've got nothing left for your family. And you've spent your time, you've spent your, your youth, you've spent your years in bondage, gathering straw, For what? Frustrating the plans of God. See, this is how the devil targets your job. Number one, he'll give you an unpredictable schedule. If you've got a job with an unpredictable schedule, you never know if and when you're going to be off. That is from hell. Can I be real tonight? God God would not give you a schedule. I believe God wants to give us schedules within boundaries. You are should never be a slave to a taskmaster named your boss. You know what else the devil will do? He will cause you to work nights and weekends. You know why? Because that's when the church is active. 
That's when the church is doing activities and doing things for the kingdom. This is when we have outreaches. This is when we have church services. And so uh, if, if you find yourself, your boss, your job, and you find yourself slipping into a schedule of nights and weekends, you better take dominion over that. Also, the Pharaoh will cause you to work so many long hours and he will drain you so much so that you've got nothing left in the tank for the kingdom. You wake up bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, ready to go to work on Monday morning, and by the time Friday night comes around, you're sleeping in church every time you show up because you've got nothing left. It's an easy target. The devil will use. And he'll aim it at your job every time. You know why? Because, because another factor at work here is money. Because intimately related to your job is money. See, the reason that we work is not just because we're forced to, but because there's a paycheck. And we tell ourselves, well, how am I going to get money if I don't work? And that there's truth in this. Beloved, it is a good thing to work and to get a paycheck. There is dignity and honor by working a job. And let me tell you, man of God... Uh, young disciple, listen, having a job is spiritual. It ought to be a goal to have a job, but the devil seeks to, to force the job to own you, not the other way around. See, finances or the fear of not having finances can grip your heart. The fear of not having a paycheck can become your idol. And what this does is it becomes an acceptable form of greed and idolatry. And there are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ who, who tell themselves, well, pastor will be happy that I'm working so much because I'll be able to give a bigger tithe. Well, you know what? I'm happy if you're able to give more, but I'd be happier if you were serving God in the desert. I'm not saying, please don't get me wrong again tonight. I am not saying that we should all quit our jobs and that we should all have a powwow and we should all be hippies out in the fields uh, playing guitars and uh, worshiping Jesus. No, I, I want you to have a job. I don't want the job to have you. I don't want you to be enslaved to a taskmaster that as soon as there's extra hours on the schedule that the whip cracks and bye-bye, we're not going to see him this weekend because he is owned. He is a slave to the job. See, the job ought to have its place in your life, but you should never be a slave to it. Let's talk about dominion tonight. I believe God wants you to have dominion. Do you believe that? Genesis 1 verse 28. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion. Everybody say the word dominion. Have dominion over the fish, the birds, and every living thing that moves on the earth. Have dominion over this created universe. Except for your boss. Did the Bible say that you shouldn't have dominion over your boss? Did the Bible say you shouldn't have dominion over your job? No. That you and I as disciples of Jesus, we should have dominion 
over our work, over our finances. We should be the ones, together with Christ as our, as our master. He is the one who should order our steps, not your boss. Oh, I'm telling you, church, I have seen people make this mistake. They never have gained dominion in this area of their life. I've seen people who can serve God just fine. I've seen people who come to church and gain the victory, lift their hands, sing and praise God until they get a job. I call them unemployed Christians. Oh, Lord Jesus, as long as they're unemployed, you can serve God with all of your heart, your soul, your strength. And then as soon as you fill out a W-2, seems like you backslide. Oh, I've seen people. that they, It seems like you, you can have a job or you can serve God, but not both at the same time. Every job, I've seen people that every time they get a full-time position, uh, they backslide and they stop coming to church. Why is that? Because there's no dominion. See, dominion says, I am not a worker that goes to church. Dominion says, I'm a Christian that goes to work. Dominion says, I can do both of these things and not backslide and also not lose my job. I've seen men, because you know what? Men uh, at the bottom of our hearts, what we do is we gain uh, dignity from work. And that's a good thing. You should have dignity as a good and faithful worker. But there is a trap. There's a trap in your workplace, especially when you're a Christian and you're a good worker. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, God causes you to be a faithful worker, doesn't he? And when you get saved, you're honest and you don't steal from your boss and you're a good worker. And as a good Christian, you should be the best worker on your job. You should be better than those sinners. You should show up on time. You should be faithful to your boss. You should uh, work hard when you're on the clock. All of those things are true. And as a good Christian, you're going to get confidence, you're going to get uh you're going to get favor from your boss, and he's going to want you to work more and more. But there's got to be a place, beloved, that you need to take dominion. You need to take dominion. You need to realize that your boss is not your taskmaster. You are not a slave to your workplace or to your paycheck. You are a slave of Christ. And you need to prioritize your life in this way. You need to understand this evening that this is an issue of dominion. God will measure your dominion of your life. Uh, one of the ways that he measures that is by measuring the dominion that you have over your job, over the hours that you allow your boss to schedule you. At some point, you've got to say, sorry, boss, I don't work on Sundays because I'm a Christian. At some point in your life, you've got to say, no, I'm not going to work late on Wednesday because I worship my God on Wednesday night. I'm, I, you know, um, it's more and more, it's, you know, difficult to find jobs that uh, conform to the church schedule. I understand that. And if you are a new worker, I realize that sometimes there's got to be uh, some bend and some flex. But see, at some point, church, you've got to gain dominion. You've got to gain dominion. If your job is inflexible with the hours that you need, 
this is not a, a, a question of, well, you know, a church has got to be my second, I got to pay my bills, and what I got to do is I'll just bide my time. No, what it is, is you're going to, you're going to, uh, you're going to be the best worker on your job, and you're going to make it hard for your boss to fire you, and then you're going to say, listen, I'm going to work, I'm going to work, uh, uh, like nobody else on this job until it's time for me to go to church. And when it's time for me to go to church, I got to get time off. And when you say that, when you take that dominion, and if your boss is not cool with that, well, guess what? It's time for God to find you a new job because God has a better one. Understand tonight that God created you to have dominion over your job, not for the job to have dominion over you. I don't know if there's any amens happening tonight, but there ought to be, because I'm preaching good. Here's some important questions for you to ask tonight. Who is it that provides for your family? Who provides for your family? Is it you? Is it your boss? Or is it God? The person who is addicted to their job says, I have to provide for my family. Nobody else is going to do it. The person who is a slave to the taskmaster in Egypt says, oh yeah, my boss, he's in charge. But the person who has liberty in Christ, the person who is serving God and going to the promised land, he says, you know what? God is my provider. God is the one who gives me a job. So I have to honor God first. Let me ask you, who gave you that job? Is the reason that you're working at the place that you're working now, is it because of your amazing resume? Is it because that you, you killed that interview? Is it because of your uh, uh, awesome experience and it, it fit perfectly into what your, your, uh, your place of employment needed? Is it all of your accomplishments? Is it your great education that got you that job? No. You know what? All of that is pride. All of that is arrogance. The reason that you are working where you are working is for one reason and one reason alone. It's God's favor. God smiled on you. And God said, I want this dude to get a paycheck. I don't want him to be unemployed. God gave you that job. Do you know what that means? That if that job starts to be a taskmaster over your life, if that job starts to be a hindrance to the will of God, then guess what? God has a better job for you. You don't have to be in that dead-end job for the rest of your life. You don't have to make 10 bucks an hour. Oh, it drives me crazy when men of God get stuck making 10 bucks and 9 bucks an hour. That's what you're supposed to make out of high school. Get a grown-up job. It's time to do something for God. Let me ask you another question tonight. Are you a worker that just happens to be a disciple? Or are you a disciple that has a job? How do you see yourself tonight? Do you see yourself as a laborer having a taskmaster? Oh yeah, and then I'm a Christian also. Yeah, throw that in. Make sure you don't forget that, Pastor. I'm also a Christian. Just don't forget about that. No, that's not how we should see ourselves. 
We should see ourselves as disciples of Jesus Christ. And yes, we have to work to make a living. Yes, we have to work in order to fulfill our calling. It is part of our calling, but it is not our calling. I don't want to minimize tonight. You ought to get a job. You ought to keep a job. This is part of doing the will of God. But we can never slip in to this idea of I'm always going to be under bondage. The whip is always going to be cracking on my back. I'm just going to, that's reality, pastor. That's just how it is. I'm just going to always, when the Pharaoh says go, I'm going to say how fast. When the Pharaoh says jump, I'm going to say how high. And as long as I'm doing that, you are not in the desert. You are not worshiping. You are not fulfilling your calling the way that you're supposed to. See, what we're talking about tonight is winning the battle for your future. Your future. This is what, it's nothing less than your future. See, those laborers, those children of Israel that were in bondage in this chapter, see, they have a very temporary goal, don't they? They are just waiting until the moment that they can break loose from their captivity and they can go fulfill their calling to worship in the desert. They are simply trying to get to the next stage of their lives. Oh, church, workers in this place, I know you got to make a paycheck. I know you got to pay the rent. But listen, your calling is so much bigger. You have a future and a destiny and a hope in God. You have worship to do. Listen, what we are doing here tonight in the house of God, is so much more important than what you do on Monday morning. I'm not saying that your job is unimportant. I am not saying that working a job is is, uh, a waste of time. It is not. But I'm saying that the kingdom of God is so much bigger than your paycheck. It's so much bigger. So much bigger. Don't get the idea tonight that I am against having a job. No, listen, God uses jobs too for his kingdom. But I'm saying it cannot be the definition of your life. See, God has a destiny for these workers, doesn't he? He has a destiny for his children. He wants them to not remain under the thumb of their taskmaster forever. God has a destiny for our church. God has a destiny for young men in this place. God has a destiny to pioneer churches and plant new works. Maybe tonight God would call you to be one of those laborers. God would call you to be a pastor. Maybe God would call you to be a sender tonight, to be a giver. God would call you not just to work an hourly job for the rest of your life at McDonald's. Maybe God would would inspire you to make enough money, not just to pay the bills, but to make enough money to live within your means and then give. Give to support a church. Give to plant a missionary. Give to see souls saved. Maybe tonight you should see your job as more than just a way to advance your own career. Maybe you should see your job as a way to advance the kingdom of God. I believe tonight 
we need good Christian workers. I picked up this article from a website called uh, Crosswalk.com. The title is 10 Careers That Need More Disciples of Jesus. See, you and I, we have options to choose. We don't just fall into uh, the situations of life. No, you can, you can choose what you want to do in life according to God's will. You should let the Spirit lead you. Listen, just some suggestions about what Christians could be doing with their careers. You could be a teacher. Number one career that we need more Christians is in the public school system or private school system. You know, with, uh, with all of the insanity that is happening in our world today, the indoctrination that is happening in our public schools, wouldn't it be amazing to have good, godly disciples of Jesus teaching the next generation? Maybe God would inspire you to become a public school teacher. We need good and godly people to stand up against the tide of this generation filled with all manner of wickedness and to proclaim the goodness and to shine a light of what Christians look like in a public school arena. That would be amazing. Politicians. Oh, we're so easy and so quick to, uh, to uh, condemn and, and to criticize uh, evil politicians in our world. Well, where's all the Christian politicians then? Where are they? Pastor, I'd rather make a dollar for myself instead of uh, serving the common good. We need some good Christian politicians. Maybe God would inspire you to run for office instead of just sitting on your thumbs and tweeting at somebody. Retail. You know, I understand retail is a, a, a many times it's customer service position, but you know, uh, when you're dealing with the public in retail, you have exposure to people. I'm amazed. I, I work a part-time retail job where I am in contact with the public uh, every time I'm on the job. I, I get to. I, I'm amazed how often I get the opportunity to speak about Jesus in my capacity as a worker. And really, we ought to see our our jobs in that way. It's a mission field. It is not just a place to go grab a paycheck. Your job is a mission field, whether it is your coworkers or whether it is uh, your customers, you can use that for the kingdom. A fourth uh, career that we need more Christians, financial advisors. The world is full of insanity when it comes to spending, when it comes to saving, when it comes to credit cards, when it comes to uh, you know uh, uh, car loans, oh, there's so much insanity. Wouldn't it be amazing if we had some good and godly financial advisors in the world? Maybe you could aim your life in that direction. Judges. Oh. This, is, this is one of those careers that nobody ever thinks about when you're in the second grade. What do you want to be when you grow up, Johnny? I want to be a judge. Now, nobody really thinks like that, but you know what? Of all the people on the earth, we ought to have some good and godly judges. That's going to require a lot of education, a lot of training. But you know what? Maybe you could point your life in that direction. How about law enforcement? Did you know that the Virginia Beach uh, Police Academy is hiring right now? For all of the, uh, uh, of the criticism that our police officers get, well, maybe you should stop criticizing and go sign up. Go effect some change. Be a, be a disciple of Jesus and keep our community safe. We need some good and godly law enforcement. How about counselors? 
How about doctors or nurses? We need Christians in these fields. How about journalists? You know, journalists, journalism has gone down the tubes in the last 10 years. It's, it's completely, completely lost all, all semblance of, uh, of credibility. How about some good and godly journalists to go to work and report the news in, in a good and accurate way? I think, I think one of the greatest opportunities we have in our church and among our men is to become business owners. Start a business. Pastor, it's too hard. Well, you know what? Nothing that is valuable in life is easy. I learned so much when I started a business. I learned so much that helped me in my, in my walk with Christ when I started serving customers directly instead of working for another boss. I have often... Uh, encouraged people. You know, you can start a business with a very small budget. You can go down to Home Depot right now and buy a $200 uh, a pressure washer and you can start a business with that pressure washer. Did you know that people will pay you $100 just to spray down the exterior of their house? You can start a business today. You could start a business with a lawnmower. You could start working for yourself. If you picked up a lawnmower in the month of April and started mowing lawns, then you could make enough money in the, in, the, in the course of just a few months in order to buy yourself a truck, a trailer, and all the equipment you need to, to be a, 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 you know, a complete lawn care service. You could do that. And listen, we need good business owners, not just solopreneurs, the one guy who's doing all the work by himself. You know why? A business owner is able to create jobs. One of the, one of the greatest blessings in the Chandler Church is, is a guy named uh, Ron Hamilton. He's, he's owned his own uh, business doing uh, HVAC for years, 30 plus years. He's an owner of his own business. And you know what's great about that? is he can give jobs to young men in the church who get saved and they don't have a lot of experience, but they, he knows that they're going to be hard workers. He can say, you know what? Come and drive a truck for me for a few weeks. Let's see how it goes. And uh, if you're good enough, I'll teach you the trade. You know what? There are pastors today who uh, have benefited from having a job from Ron Hamilton. You know Ron Hamilton? Uh, he doesn't get a lot of notoriety. You probably have never heard his name before. But I'm telling you, in the kingdom of God, he has used his business as a, as a building block for discipleship. You could do that. Start a business. God can use that. It's a way that we see ourselves as more than just workers but we see ourselves as disciple makers. So let's close with this last idea. Demanding dominion at work. I want you to realize tonight that this is not a physical problem. This is a spiritual problem. Realize tonight that the problem was not the taskmaster. It was the Pharaoh. Pharaoh is the one who dictated to the taskmaster. And what they needed in order to solve this problem, they didn't need a little bit of adjustment around the edges. Those Hebrews that were in bondage, they needed deliverance. They needed a miracle from God to set them free. Listen, you are going to need a miracle from God to gain dominion at your workplace. I want you to listen. And if you have your Bible with you tonight, I need you to mark this. 
write it down, and if it helps, you ought to take your pen and write this out on a piece of paper. Deuteronomy 8, verse 18 through 20. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Not you, not your boss, not your job, not your supervisor. It is God who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroys before you, so you shall perish because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. You know what God is saying there? He's saying if you trust your job more than you trust me, guess what? You're going you're gonna to be in great danger. You're going to perish. You're going to die. You need to take dominion over your job. You need to tell yourself and remind yourself tonight that you are a working Christian. You are not a Christian worker. You are a disciple that has a job, not a not an employer, or you're not an employee who also happens to be a disciple. Let me just remind you as we close tonight. You and I, we're going to stand before God one day. You're going to stand before God and you're going to give an account of your life. And part of the account that you give, part of the story that God is going to hold you accountable for is what you did with your time. You remember how we started this message? We started by saying you can't multitask. You are only going to do one thing well. You're only going to have one thing in life that you're going to be really good at. What is it? Are you going to be the best worker? Are you going to stand before God one day and say, oh, God, let me tell you what I did with my life. I got promotions. I got advancements. Ooh, I got good paychecks and great commissions. Do you think God is going to be impressed by that? What is going to impress God is what you did for the kingdom. What's going to impress God is when you get out of bondage and you go into the wilderness and you enter into your destiny and you do something for the kingdom. What impresses God is when you make disciples, when you win souls, when you evangelize, use your job not as a, as a source of pride. Use your job as a mission field. If you stand before God one day and you say, guess what, God? I witnessed on my job and 10 people came to church and got saved as a result. Now that is impressive to God. I used my job. God, listen, listen, what I did is I used my job. I made enough to pay my bills. And then, then I made enough money to plant a church. That's going to impress God. Your job title, your position, your faithfulness, your, uh, your attendance schedule. Listen, all of that stuff. I pray God would open your eyes tonight. It is he who gives you power to get wealth, not you. God wants you to be a good worker, but that's not all he wants you to be. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes.
we thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.